Welcome back to The Narrative Mind with me, Ben Britworth. This week I'm sharing a short story I had published in an anthology back in 2012. It came to me as I was on a train journey into Paris, and I wondered what a post-apocalyptic story with Paris as a backdrop might look like. The story deals with a skirmish in a wider faction war, leading to a tricky moment for our heroes. I hope you enjoy listening, and if so, please subscribe for future episodes. Thank you. The Death Chamber by Benjamin Britworth There was a great, booming, rumbling crack in the distance, like thunder, only different. The trade tank, our trade tank, trundled along its caterpillar tracks with Annie at the helm to guide it down the broken and truncated road. Luke, Timmy and I walked alongside it, the wastes sliding beside us, empty and forlorn. The day was clear, without a cloud in the sky, and had any of us been paying attention, we would have seen the old world city Paris in the distance clouded in its radiated haze. We conversed jovially because of the faction trade meet we had left the previous day. Trade meets, unless they went asunder, provided us with food, fuel and resurgent moods. All three added up to a sense of relief and hope for the near future the optimum commodity in the wastes. Without them, internal squabbling and discord could break a crew. This was a scavenger day, and squad boss Annie Jacob informed us of the news when we awoke from our slumber. In simple terms, this was a day when we went out into the wastes in search of tradable goods. The faction was good for trade, unless, of course, you got too close to their strongholds, Fear of Horder Gang stopped them from getting too friendly with any of us traders, lest we were trying to sabotage their weapon stocks. This latent fear for any party too close to the strongholds may have been the reason for the big boy they sent flying our way around noon. A great, booming, rumbling crack in the distance. Like thunder, only different. Annie dived on the Gatling gun, flung it around and let rip, tearing the sky apart. The big boy blew into smithereens, and a rolling explosion echoed across the wastes. Annie pushed her hair out of her face as if nothing had happened. Nothing at all. Smoke glazed the skyline, and little flakes of debris rained to the ground near enough to catch. Far too near. Luke's terse laugh cut the silence. This harsh sound caught a nerve, and Annie shot daggers at him. She never lost her edge. This was why she was our team leader and would stay in charge. So, we heading out, boss? Timmy asked. Luke continued to laugh manically until Annie hopped from the trade tank and clapped him one. There was a soft thud as her fist collided with his shoulder. Can it, you? she yelled. Jake fell silent and she turned to Timmy. Yeah, we're heading out. Annie shielded her eyes and gazed across the wastes towards Paris, her face scrunched up in the sunlight. What do you reckon they meant by firing a big boy at us? I questioned, as Luke rubbed his arm. I don't know, she replied in a subdued tone. They can't have meant it for us. We're just traders. Times are tight, Timmy chirped in, and they, they could have been mistaking us for hoarders, huh? 
Annie pursed her lips in a frown. Times ain't tight enough for the faction to want to waste a big boy on a trade party like us, especially when we're not near the stronghold. Doubt they'd even waste one on the hoarders this far out. Bigger fish to fry, Luke muttered. All four of us peered about the waste, searching the horizon for any sign of hoarders. Come on, Annie finally ordered. Let's keep going. And if there's trouble? I asked tentatively. There won't be, she replied in a matter-of-fact tone. We kept on for a time, assuming the same formation. We three boys walking by the tank as Annie rode on top. The big boy had made us wary, and we were especially worried that the faction could have laid down mines in the surrounding area. We heard about trade tanks getting stranded by popping their cork on mines all the time. Even seen a few too. It was never pretty. Carcasses stripped to their bare metal chassis. No sign of their trade squads that were undoubtedly as dead as the old world. How much further do you suppose? Luke asked as we fielded past the boarded up broken down houses. Near enough. The GPS gives it a kilometre and a half. And he called from the tank's helm. And you reckon there'll be pickings at this estate place? The guy who gave me the tip-off and the coordinates said there was. And, and you trust him? Enough, she replied before falling silent again. Keeping things to herself was a habit of Annie's, and we knew practically nothing about her. She'd joined Timmy, Luke and I a couple of years ago, and whenever the rest of us were running around like a bunch of headless wastelanders... She always managed to judge the situation right. Her tip-offs, however dodgy the source seemed, had always served us well. I suppose that was another reason that she was given the top spot in our gang. It was a perk of being right all the time. Twenty minutes later, as Annie predicted, we arrived at an old-world computer store nestled between a couple of warehouses. Computers were gold. Perfect pickings to trade with the faction. Woo-ha! How about that then? Annie cried as she jumped from the idle tank's hatch. Banging conditions and all. I doubt any scavengers will have had pickings before. We can get a good haul with this. She high-fived each of us and gave Luke a quick peck on the cheek in apology for punching him earlier. With one waggle of her finger, she led us forward into the store. The sound of the crickets in the long grass faded as we squeezed our way through the smashed sliding doors. These places were always weird. Empty, rusting behemoths where the old welders used to buy and sell. The broken windows, dirty, scattered goods and dark, maze-like aisles fed my nightmares. The dim interior smelt of warm, wet mould. A hot sun pushed in on the corrugated roof, shining through in shafts of dust where the metal had worn away. Wares sat in hundreds of old cardboard boxes, molting with white fungus. The store had barely been touched. Annie whistled at the catch and pointed out where we had to go. We spread out, searching for forgotten treasures. There was a lot to scavenge. We made a pile by the entrance, coming back and forth with armloads of hard drives and memory chips. It was after about ten minutes, when Annie was at the far end of the same aisle as me, when I heard something that made my heart pump. Somewhere close by, an engine started. I raised my hand. Annie fell still, her eyes wide with terror. She shot me a glance. We both knew that engine. 
We'd grown accustomed to it over the past few years. It was the engine of our trade tank. With all of us scavenging in the warehouse, it could only mean one thing. Hoarders. We dropped what we were doing and raced to the exit. Annie got there before me and flew out into the sunlight, her hair catching fire in the rays. I dashed out after her and in the dazzling second that followed, the whip crack of a gun rent the air. I came to a sudden stop and blinked in the light. Annie spoke in a far off voice. Oh, it's you, she said and crumpled to the ground. I stepped towards her. Not so fast, barked a commanding voice. My eyes focused and I saw three men pointing rifles at my head. A tall, thin man wearing dark glasses sat astride our tank. He was the one who had spoken. Only a fool trusts strangers in the wastes, the thin man said, and hacked spittle at the ground. He grinned with a perverse smile. You want the same fate? No? You want to die like a dog in the dirt? His laugh was sour. In the shade of the shop, I saw the glint of a revolver. It must have been Luke, Timmy, or both, hidden away, watching. The thin man dropped from the tank and stepped forward. He stunk of stale sweat and old alcohol. I think you deserve better, no? How would you like it if I made you a little proposition? A chance to keep your skin, a chance to join my gang. You killed my friend. That I did, he admitted, holding his palms aloft in mock forgiveness. But life is cruel, and she made a foolish mistake. A mistake I hope you learn from. So, I ask again, would you join my gang? Or can I kill you? Yes? He raised a hand for his rifleman. You're right. She made a bad mistake. Of course I'll join your gang. I could always escape in the night and find Luke and Timmy. They'd wait for me, so long as I wasn't sold as a slave. The man smiled, revealing sharp yellow teeth. Ah, excellent choice. But there is one teeny-weeny test you must take first, yes? What kind of test? Oh, it's simple. He reached deep into his jacket pocket and drew out an ancient six-shot pistol. I came across a game in the northern wastes, up near Radiation City, a game that tests a man's steel. I glanced warily at the gun and back at him, expecting him to shoot. However, instead of shooting, he did something deeply perplexing. He flipped open the barrel and dropped out all but one of the six silvery bullets before flicking back the catch and spinning the drum with a buzz. The game is easy. Are you listening? I nodded once. Good. You take this gun and you put it to your temple. You pull the trigger six times. If you think you found the chamber with a bullet in it, you point the gun away and shoot at the sky. Do you understand? He gestured through the motions. I nodded. If you get it wrong, we shoot you. If you cheat, we shoot you. If you run, we shoot you. Got it. I said, and swallowed hard. The man held out the gun to me. The sun bounced off his dark glasses, making him look like a great grim bug. Crickets hissed in the grass. One of the riflemen twitched. Is there a way out? Not without taking the gun. Not without testing my luck. 
I plucked the sixth shot from his hand. He brandished a wry smile. May the faction favour you, he said, and slipped back behind the rifleman. The old world pistol was heavy. Its leather pads were sticky with sweat and its metal was warm. Little flecks of dried blood littered its tip. My eyes darted from one man to the next. The hoarders had their rifles raised high. The thin man leaned in against our tank. The gun barrel glistened from the warehouse. At last, from nowhere, I thought of a plan. It was only the incubus of an idea, but it was my only hope. It involved knowing which chamber held the bullet, and so I had no choice but to play the game. I raised the six-shot to my temple. The cylinder rattled in my hand. I placed my finger on the slick trigger, feeling the weight. The spring of the hammer clicked. The thin man coughed. A rifle spat. It's now or never. I squeezed. Blood pumped. My heart jumped. Click. That was all. No bang. Just a click. Chamber one was empty. No bullet. I would live a moment longer. Annie's empty eyes yearned up at me, urging me not to pull the sharp six-shooter's trigger a second time. But I had to. I let my index fingers tighten. A bead of sweat rolled down the back of my neck. The hammer yawned, lifting, tensing, looking for its kill. It fell. My breath tightened. My lungs closed. Click. Again, just click. No bang and no steel to rip open my skull. I let out a shuddering breath and dropped the gun to my side as I steadied myself. The torment was far from over. I had four chambers to go, one with death sitting in it. But I had my plan, if I was right. Come on, we haven't got all day, the thin man groaned. I could taste smoke as well as the metallic bite of Annie's blood. I raised the six shot to my head, an empty swallow, a pull of the trigger, click. Not the third. Halfway there, the thin man taunted with a clap of his hands. You may join us yet. <laughs> yeah, right, I thought, and I readied the trigger for the next shot. Something in me slowed, and for a solitary moment, everything became weighty. The world swam, and then I felt it. The trigger was heavy, and when I loosened my finger, it clunked with a dullness. The chamber was deadly. This was it. Barrel four possessed the bullet. I composed myself. I composed myself, fully aware that I only had one attempt at this. Literally one shot to get the three of us out of there alive. I glanced sideways at the warehouse. Luke or Timmy's gun flashed. I hoped they were ready. I took a deep sigh to slow my heart. The world dawdled around me. I saw the thin man start to cry out and flinch upwards. My hand arced outwards towards him. The pistol fired, the bullet spat from its tip, soared through the air and punched him straight between the eyes. His glasses snapped in two and as the pieces fell away, I saw his frightened eyes turn stony and dead. All of a sudden, the world sped up to ultra fast as if compensating for the extension of recent time. The startled riflemen whipped their guns towards me and I threw myself to the floor. Their rifles cracked and red hot wasp-like stingers sailed over me. Luke and Timmy stormed out of the warehouse with their automatics blazing, mowing down the riflemen without pity. They didn't stop firing until one bloody broken mess of torn up skin and broken bones was left. When silence fell, 
I raised my head to see them, stood there, guns still smoking, with their faces pulled back into violent snarls. I stood and joined them. The destruction. The devastation. We knew it was necessary. It was us or them, and it was an act of sweet revenge for Annie's cruel end. Minutes passed and nothing was said. A red sea spread outwards in the dust. We shared diminutive smiles as we realised the truth and tasted the small victory. We could move on, back into the wastes to scavenge, trade and fight another day. We collected our scavengers quickly and hauled Annie's corpse onto the tank before moving out. As we started away, there was a great booming, rumbling crack in the distance. Like thunder, only different. All three of us looked up in the direction of Paris and the faction's guns. A big boy was coming our way. We raced for the Gatling gun. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for future episodes and updates.